You're listening to the Nature Photography Show. Howdy, folks. So this is going to be a bonus episode. I just had the chance to interview Enrico Fazzati. If you don't know who he is, check out the show notes. It's going to have a link to his website there. Go look at the kind of work that he creates before you finish listening to this podcast. I guarantee you'll not regret it. Now, on to the interview. So in this episode, I have Enrico Fazzati joining me, and I found him recently. Actually, I'm a bit of a geek, and I saw that he was reading some of the same books that I liked, and I contacted him as soon as I saw his photography as well, and asked him to be on the show, and he said yes. And so here is Mr. Enrico Fazzati. How are you doing, Enrico? Um, I'm very, I'm fine. I'm very happy to be here, and thanks for inviting me in your podcast. So I'm a little bit excited for because I'm not used to speaking English, so in front of the public, so I will do my best to be the most understandable possible. And uh, well, I'm ready to answer to your questions. Okay. So tell us uh, about you and how you got started into photography. Everybody always has a story about what got them started. So what what's your story? Well, um, I was passionate about landscapes since uh, my very young age. When I was a child, I was fascinated by the posters and from the pictures of castles and landscapes. Uh, and of course, uh, as you told in the, in, in the, at the beginning of the interview, I, I am passionate about books and fantasy books. So everything is related to the landscapes because... I think the connection between the landscapes and uh, the literature is very strong, especially the literature that I love. And uh, so since my really um, the beginning of my my childhood, I was passionate about these paintings. And then later in, uh, well, I always taken, uh, I, I always took pictures during my trip, but just postcards for memories. And then, uh, only in 2009, I started to, to think to photography a little more seriously, and then I purchased my first DSLR. Uh, was a suggestion of my uh, my boss. He told me one day, "Why, Enrico, you don't purchase a a, a DSLR?" So, and then uh, my my journey in the world of photography has begun, and uh, I started to to learn the basics around my home, shooting the landscapes. Uh, just behind uh, my office, and uh, and then only later I started to to go on the Alps and explore the these beautiful mountains that are around my home. I live more or less two hours away from the French Alps, and uh, I know the area very well. And uh, I think it is really photogenic. And uh, in the next days, uh, in the next days, well, in the next months, I will have uh, two workshops there, uh, one with Erin Babnik from Photo Cascadia, and we will have a, a workshop in the French Alps in a, in a completely unexploited area, very nice. And uh, and then later in July with my my friend Gianluca, Gianluca Podesta is another Italian photographer, is very young and is is starting his career very very nicely because he has received many awards in in the last years and uh, i think uh, he is doing very well and we have we will have a, a workshop in out savoy that is another area different from the one that i'm i will have the workshop with erin and is fascinating as well well i have to tell you Looking at your photographs, they, they're simply astounding. And in fact, oh, just before the interview, I brought my wife in, in the office and I said, I want you to look at these guys, this guy's photographs. And she's a big fantasy buff as well. And we started looking through and my son's in here too. And she said, well, I think he's probably my favorite photographer. And <laughs> my, my nine-year-old spoke up and said, you mean other than, other than daddy? And she said, no, this guy's on a different level. So, <laughs> so you trumped me in about five seconds of her looking at your portfolio. Um, so for me, I mean, I really, when I look at them, I see, like I've gotten the notes here that I, it looks more like middle earth to me than it does earth. 
you know, it's places that I would love to see. And oh, thanks. Your style uh, this, is this, so this, unique. This means a lot for me because I'm really a huge fan of Middle Earth. Mm -hmm. And uh, my, when I started to to take pictures, then uh, thanks to my passion of fantasy, I immediately started to think how to process them to transform my pictures in something that is in the paintings of, for example, John O. Do you know Joe O is a is one of the painters, the the designers that they've built uh, Middle Earth in the in the in the trilogy and the cinema okay. and uh, well, uh, if, if you watch his work, you, you you can feel the nature and uh, his experience in the nature in the field, and uh, I started to 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 try to think to my pictures in, in that way. I want to reach that result. I want the same feelings in my pictures. And then I started to study post-processing more in deep. And uh, in 2012, I, um, I started to, to learn more and more. And then um, I do a little of practice with Alex Noriega. He is a master of me. And uh, I really thank Alex for uh, his teachings at the beginning of my career. And then after I've started to, to develop my own style, uh, basing my, my choices on my taste and um, on my, um, my goals. And uh, <clears throat> actually, uh, I'm trying to, to, to follow my, my feelings. I'm not used to follow the trends uh, because in the last years, the, the thing that uh, I don't have enjoyed a lot of the, of the direction that is taken landscape photography, that all the photographers are going in one direction, so following just big trends and, for example, shooting all in certain locations, I think is, is not nice because you, you kill your creativity. So I love the, the, the super famous photographers like... Uh, uh, Mark Adams and Max Reeve and Daniel Corden uh, and the all the big famous photographers, but I think it is not is not correct if you if you if you are a creative try to to copy them. So you you have to develop your your vision and explore new area. So this is my 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 thought about the landscape photography. You have to follow your your feelings and not what. Instagram or Facebook is telling us. Yeah, and especially for somebody starting out, that can be somewhat difficult because you know, when you're first getting in, you see somebody like your work. I mean, personally, I, I've been a photographer for a very long time, but I would love to be able to to figure out how you do what you do just because I love the mood and the feeling. But you know, for a new photographer, it's very easy to get bogged down in the f-stops and the shutter speeds. And I like the fact that you haven't even mentioned that. For you, it's it's just your feeling about the scene and what you want to pull out of it. And I think you're right. I think a, a person's personal experience yeah. and their life experience to that point will guide their feelings. And if they can learn to photograph and edit that photograph in a way that is true to the feelings that they were feeling when they saw it, that it will take its own shape. It'll take it, its own its own path. Yeah, surely at the beginning, uh, every photographer tried to to imitate or to, to copy the, the works of the big photographers, but it's normally, it's like in the music, when you start to play an instrument, you, you begin with the covers, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the same with photography. So when, when I started to take pictures in the streams, I was completely crazy for the pictures of Mark Adams of the small green streams of Oregon. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I was disappointed because around my home there wasn't <laughs> something similar. But uh, I, I did my, my best to, to try to, to have the same results. And then I started to develop my, my vision. And uh, for doing that, I think it is needed a little bit of efforts. I think the vision of photography is not only a series of steps. Uh, is is not a workflow in Photoshop. The the vision in photography is something that is more deep, in in my opinion. So I think you have to to think to to your pictures on only not only as as a picture but in something more. And this is like a, a concept behind your photography. And uh, you can't develop it simply watching a one video tutorial or. Uh, trying to to make a follow the steps of a master in photography i think you have to to do some efforts and try to to extract something from from your soul you you, you need to 
to figure out what what you want to 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 create and uh, well it's a little bit challenging for me explaining this in english but <laughs> the the thing that um i want to explain that is the personal style it's something that you can't learn in a few days or in one month uh, i think you need time and and the personal style is not only photoshop or how to capture a scene in the field but is is a series of things is literature is music is philosophies a lot of things and uh, my suggestion for all the young photographers that are approaching landscape photography is first of all to study a little bit of photography about okay the photography of the past but also the painters because in the painters you can find a lot of uh, first of all inspiration because you can you can really learn a lot about the colors the light the composition well Surely one of the most popular landscapers, actually, I think is Bierstadt, because uh, a lot of photographers have uh, um, discovered him at the beginning of this this new wave of landscape photography, Mark Adamus, Ryan Dyer. They Mm -hmm. have started to to process their picture, to create a new style based on the idea of Aston River School photography. Oh, Aston River School photography. landscapes and i think this is really great and i love this kind of philosophy that there is behind i, I love mark and ryan stuff uh, i and for me are two of the best photographers on the market for sure so when when you go out and it's time for you to pick up your camera and you go to a location what conditions are you looking for for that photograph? Are there conditions that make you want to stay at home or do you do you intentionally go out when it's nasty outside or what do oh, you yeah. look for? <laughs> I, I, I love go out when the, the, the weather is not good. That's right. Because it is, I think it's the best way to capture the essence of the mountains. Uh, I, I don't know uh, if, you, if you try to hike in the mountains during a thunderstorm. So it's something really exciting. And okay, it's a little bit dangerous. But uh, the, the feeling and the emotions that you can feel on, on the top of the mountains is really great when, during uh, the storms. Well, well, okay, when it's not dangerous for your life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you see the fog that is rising or uh, the, the clouds after a thunderstorm of a clearing and you can see the colors behind the, the black clouds is something unique. So usually i i avoid to to go out only in the sunny days when when it's completely sunny i i i stay at home yeah if i if if i am in holiday i I stay in the hotel and sleep yeah exactly (laughs) i I find myself doing the same thing i'll get up and look at the weather and if it's clear and and blue sky and it's not let's go to sleep (laughs) yeah that's it it's time just turn the clock off and go back yeah exactly well Usually, when uh, I am in the mountains, that I know very well the area, and I see that there is a, a very sunny day, I love to spend my time in the gorges or in the streams that are in shade during the day, so I can shoot without um, the problem of the light. And uh, and then uh, I, I try to, to to shoot something in during the sunset, and then if I'm not lucky, okay. <laughs> it's okay. Well, I, I spend my day in the rivers and I'm happy. I love to, to shoot in the forest and in the river. So for me, it's really, uh, it's really nice. And when I find a new tree or a new small waterfall, it's always rewarding for me. It's a really nice way to spend my time in the mountains. So as a nature photographer, what's your biggest challenge that you, that you see? Well, today, uh, you mean uh, in, in photography? In yeah, the, in, in photography. In photography and... or in, uh, in the market? No, in, in your photography. Because uh, before this, I asked in, on Facebook that I said everybody that I was interviewing you, and I, I said, what kind of questions would you like? And somebody, his name is John Sabatier, a friend of mine, popped in and said, how do they stay inspired? So I think I would like to know a little bit about what, trouble you have as a nature photographer and when you do feel that inspiration failing how you revitalize it and what you do well i I think that uh to to keep the inspiration 
at high level, you, you need to feed your creativity. And uh, this is, uh, is not exactly a work. So for feed your creativity, for example, you can watch a movie or play a video game or read a book. It's not necessarily something that is uh, an effort or a work. And uh, I think we are not producing uh, things. We are not machines. Mm-hmm. So, and when you, when you produce a, a picture or wh- when you start to, to think at a, at a picture, uh, you need to be inspired to process it and to shoot it in the field and uh, you need time. And you can't be brilliant every day. Uh, this is my feeling. Uh, for example, one of the, the biggest challenge for me is to be successful in processing uh, uh, to transform the picture exactly as I imagined the picture. And uh, sometimes I process my picture two or three times, and then I need to stop and wait one week or one month because I'm not able to reach the result that I want. Uh, this is a little bit frustrating <laughs> because <laughs> when you when you try to, to do something that you and you are really determined and say, oh, I love this picture. I want to have these effects because I, I want to reproduce a scene that reminds me that movie. And you start to work with the colors and with the light and you start to paint with your Wacom. And then at the end, you don't have the result. I say, ah, oh, damn, I have to do it again. And then again and again. But, and sometimes... Uh, you are disappointed and you you are tired of, of that picture, so you need a stop. <laughs> so okay, uh, I will try again the next month. <laughs> I have a lot of pictures, uh, and uh, for shooting in the field, for it is another is another problem. So you you need the right conditions. For example, I am really demotivated when when I, I don't have nice conditions. I remember uh, one workshop, uh, okay, I wasn't there for shooting, I wasn't there for, for teaching, but during workshops, sometimes I, I take pictures during uh, the shooting phase where the students are exploring or are not uh, busy with me, mm-hmm. and then I try to take my pictures, and uh, when, the, when the weather is so clear, oh, I, I don't find inspiration, really, I, I can't focus my attention on, on the details and... I don't feel the magic, you know. Right. What, what I mean. Okay. And I think in certain conditions it's really challenging, and uh, it's better to stop, in my opinion, when when you are in the field and you don't feel the the right uh, the right feeling. Yes, the right feeling for for shooting the pictures because the weather is not good or you don't find a nice composition because also in the field not every day is good for for find the right composition. For example, I love to explore the area just with my phone. I leave the equipment in, in my room or in my car, and then I start to hike around the location that I want to shoot, all with my phone, because I, I want to be to to be focused on the, on the details and find the best foreground. Because I, a lot of times I see people with a lot of equipment hiking at 1 in the afternoon when it's very warm in the <laughs> mountains. Oh, guys. Stop down, leave the equipment here and try to explore the location all with your phone or or just a sketchbook if you prefer. But the, I think it's really, sometimes when you are too tired, you, you can focus on what you are doing in the field. See, if you are completely sweat and you and you try to figure out the composition is, you, you, you don't find the, I think you, you are distracted by the, by the conditions. Huh? What do you think? I think is it's really important also to to be comfortable in the field. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, here in South Florida, it's in the summertime. It's the best time to be out in the Everglades, and it it's you know, ninety eight degrees and horribly miserable. And so it's very hard sometimes to get out there and find that motivation and find that inspiration to photograph, even if the conditions are decent it's mainly because you're miserable. You know, you're, you're sweating, there's bugs everywhere. It's horrible. And, uh, yeah. So if you get there and you're exhausted and then the weather doesn't produce anything, it's gotta be very frustrating to think past that. Yeah. There are a few few exceptions in my opinion, when the conditions are crazy good, but, and you, you you can ignore them because you are very excited. So for example, I remember this summer when I was in Scotland, and uh, I was shooting the Etive Moor, and 
that night was full of bugs everywhere <laughs> and was completely muddy, was really uncomfortable, and I wasn't able to find a spot without mud to to set up my, my, my equipment. And my face was completely covered by bugs. <laughs> that was really challenging. But at the end, the shot was great because we had a very nice sunset. And in that case, I, I suffered in silence. Yes. <laughs> I, I used some poison for kill a little bit of bugs, but they, they were too many. <laughs> yeah, we, we have that a lot down here. And usually if I remember the, how bad the bugs were, that means the, I didn't get any good photographs from it. But if I, I'm the, sort of the same way, I, I forget if, I, if it's a beautiful day and I get some awesome photos, then I kind of forget how bad it really was. But, but man, if, if it's just bad conditions and bad photography, it's, it's pretty tough to go sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so uh, Scotland's one of those places that I, I visited a long time ago. And uh, when we landed, my camera broke. So this was way back when I got married. We went there on our honeymoon 20 years ago, and I don't have any photographs from it. So I want to go back to Scotland. And I've, I've been looking at some of the highlands and some of those places. And in Scotland, it's pretty much going to be muddy all the time. So you're going to have to deal with mud and, and bugs probably in the summertime there. But uh, yeah, Scotland's on my list of places to go back. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. I I, I really enjoy. I really enjoyed the Scotland because it was uh, the landscape. It's really it's really magical, and there are many things. Okay, besides the super popular location, I've enjoyed the the, the small forest around the area of Glenclaw. So probably, mm -hmm. if I will return in Scotland, I want to spend a little more time around Glenclaw area because I think it's not really well exploited by landscape photographers because. All the people is focused in certain parts, like for example, the Old Man of Star and the Koyorang, all the super popular locations that have been used for in Transformer 5. <laughs> there are that locations, okay, <laughs> are so beautiful, but okay, is they are a, a bit overexploited. So if you if you try to find something unique, I think there are really a lot of locations in Scotland on the Alps as well, and, mm -hmm. and okay, in America is is even better. <clears throat> yeah, and I think uh, Iceland's kind of getting that way. I haven't been to Iceland, but it looks like everybody and their brothers going to Iceland. Well, I went to Iceland two times this year for work, for because uh, I I led a couple of tours there, and I enjoyed Iceland because it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is is like a, a huge waterfall, rolling hills, and okay, I never been there during the summer, and probably is. Even more interesting, especially because you can visit the highlands. The highlands, I think, are really impressive because I, I have seen some pictures from uh, some photographers like Max Reeve or uh, like or um, uh, some French photographers. They went there, like Xavier Gemonet, and I, I really enjoyed the, the the pictures that they took. And I would like to visit the area, but. Okay, there are certain locations that, okay, you, you, you can't be excited because you're really tired of seeing them. And <laughs> the only one exception, I think, is the Vestrohorn in Ofen. is a beautiful mountain with this huge sandy beach in front of you. And uh, I think that place is really magical because every day is different. Because you can arrive in the morning and find uh, all the black sand dunes completely frosted. Wow. And you can... Yeah, you can return the like five hours later and without the frost, you can see the sand without the frost, you can find some pools. It's really changing. And I think uh, this is really exciting and gives you a lot of uh, chances to take different pictures in that place. Compared, for example, in the super popular Kirkufell. Okay, it's beautiful because it, it, it's, it's a magical postcard, a small waterfall in front uh, uh, a conic mountain, but it's always the same. It's really, it's really challenging to find something different. Uh, I took a nice picture that is still in my hard drive, and I will try to to process it in in the next in the next days or in the next month. I don't know. I need the inspiration, <laughs> but uh, it's challenging to find something different there because it's really overshoot at that place but iceland is great for for my taste the my my wonderland about landscape photography surely uh, was canada because I, I i was there just one time with my friend rob lafreniere 
And uh, I was really captured by the magic of Canada. It's really crazy because it is like Alps, but is huge. <laughs> it's, it's really vast. You see forests everywhere, lakes, waterfalls. It's really, it's like a fantasy, a fantasy world, really, especially the area of Asinemboin and the Lake Oera. Wow, it's really breathtaking. When you are on the top of the peaks, and you watch around you, you don't see nothing, you see only nature, and wow. it's really, it's an experience. It worked. Yeah, so it's not like a super busy national park where you've got uh, no, you know, people everywhere. No, because there are campgrounds that are limited in spots, so you, you can't go there when you want. You need to book in advance, and you need to camp. You, you There aren't huts, and uh, the number of people is limited, and you can really enjoy that. Okay, it's also a little bit challenging because, for example, in Kirkufel, you can park in front of Kirkufel. And uh, in the Sinemboin, you to reach the Naba Peak, you have to hike one hour and a half. So <laughs> it's a little bit different. And uh, I think he is the natural selection of photographers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all the times they see, okay, if you want to shoot something unique, okay, avoid, when I'm talking about the Alps, okay, avoid Trachima <laughs> and try to hike up one hour in that direction. Surely you will find something nice without nobody. Yeah, so just try try not to take the all the postcard shots that you see and get off that beaten path, uh, it, which... That I grew up in the Smoky Mountains, and that's or near the Smoky Mountains, and and that's what I did when I first got in photography. I did what everybody does, which is you get in a car and you drive to a spot and you get out and you put your tripod in the same tripod holes that were there last time you were there, and you keep doing that. But I I didn't really discover the beauty of the place until I started exploring and getting off the path a little bit and going to these places that nobody else wanted to go because they didn't want to hike. And, yeah, uh, but I, I think for well, at least for me is that is the fun. So yeah. the, the nice thing is to explore, not to take the same pictures. Okay, when you, for example, when I went in Iceland, when I went in, in Scotland, I took the classical pictures because okay, you're there, you you take one. But the the nice thing is to try to find your point of view or find another location. And uh, when I am in the Alps. I avoid the popular area. So, okay, this is, uh, in, in terms of marketing, is not good. Because uh, if you publish some picture of, pictures of Iceland, okay, you can have tons of likes because everybody, they want to see that kind of pictures. But for me, it's really rewarding find something unique in an area that nobody is used to visit. And, uh, okay, I can see... That waterfall is mine. Nobody has that waterfall. is is only mine. Or okay, just a limited number of photographers. I think it's really it's more rewarding, and uh, I, I find uh, the pictures more mine. Okay, and this is my my thought about the the subjects. Okay, you, you as a landscape photographer, as a professional, you are splitted in two. By one side, you need to be commercial. On the other side, you need to be, if you want to follow your creativity, you, you need to search and find something unique and uh, uh, do your efforts for find something good. Okay? Well, yeah, and, and you know, there's something about nature that draws us all in anyway, at least it, it is for me. So the fact that I'm out there and I'm exploring places that maybe aren't visited as much, that that is a most of the fun for me. I mean, I love to come back with good photographs. Don't get me wrong. That's what I'm going out there for. That's what I want. But I've never gone out and taken a walk in nature and come home and, and think to myself that it was a complete waste of time. I might not have gotten a photograph, but I was out there. I enjoyed it. I saw something most likely that I've never seen before. Every time is a, is a unique experience. And I just love being there, whether I get a photograph or not. Now to be, to be able yeah. to come back with a photograph uh, is it, just a bonus. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah, exactly. The, the, I think a lot of people uh, uh, spend their time in the mountains with the wrong feeling because you you are there not only for taking pictures, but you are there also for enjoying the nature. I think it is really important to to take also nice pictures because you, you need to be uh, really in communication with the environment around you. <clears throat> So when you're hiking, what kind of camera gear do you take? 
Well, I am an Icon user since okay. many years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I I try I tried other brands because in mm -hmm. the past I had also Canon, but uh, well, um, my love is with Nikon because I find the files of Nikon really workable and uh, they are really robust and I can do a lot of modification without creating artifacts and uh, well the, for example now I recently bought the D850 and um, it has been uh, great because simply I took the camera and then I started to 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 set my camera exactly as my old camera and I spent like 15 minutes and everything was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is great. Uh, I, I love to to follow a brand for that reason. And uh, I never had problems with Nikon you know, in the field. So they are the, the bodies are really uh, sturdy, mm -hmm. really reliable. I shoot it uh, with really low temperatures. I, I shoot it in the rain and on the seaside. Um, I never had problems, never. Yeah, I just recently got the 850 as well. I've only been able to go out once, but I'm going out in the morning. Um, but I, I've got it, and it's the same thing with me. You know, I just picked it up, and a few minutes in the menu system, and I'm good. It's, And for me, I started, my first camera was a, a Canon point-and-shoot. And so when I wanted to advance to a film DSLR, a film SLR at the time, I, I went immediately to Canon because that's what I was using. And I picked it up. I wanted an A2E at the time. And I picked it up, and it was nice, and it was great. But right next to it was a Nikon F100, and I asked for it. And I picked it up, and the second I touched it, I said, yep, that's the camera. And it's you know, it's not because it was going to produce better results at the time, but it was because it felt better in my hand, and that's what got me started in Nikon. Now, and I have nothing bad to say about Canon or Sony or any of those, but there's a lot, for me, there's a lot of, I guess a little bit of nostalgia around it because I've had it for so long, but I've got all my lenses already, but it always, they always feel better in my hands. And when I upgrade, I know that I can feel you know, 15 minutes and I'm good to go. Well, I think actually that the camera are uh, really advanced. So the, the quality is really high with every brand. And uh, mm -hmm. I think it's just a matter of feeling and uh, to, to know your, your body and know the secrets of your camera. That's all. It's just a tool. Yes. Uh, when you have the files that are are of good quality, okay, you are done. So you don't need other things. And mm -hmm. the, the 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 other part of the work is in post processing. And um, in, in terms of performance and in terms of quality, well, I teach Photoshop and Skype, and uh, I have seen. The, the files of almost every brand and um, honestly I can I can say that there is a camera that is bad okay there are old camera there they have a little <laughs> bit of problems with the noise and when you try to open the shadows but okay you, you need just to take a one shot more when you bracket your picture and the game is done and um, sometimes I see people uh, trying to it's just a, it's like a challenge to have the, the last model in the, right. uh, immediately after it's released, and I think is is sick because okay, if you're working with with your camera because it's your business, okay, you need higher quality because for example your agency or your printing business need uh, higher quality files. Okay, that is another another kind of problem. But if you are just a prosumer and you, you don't need the last model of camera, in my opinion. And uh, for for Nikon, I think the only one flow that I have found it is the colors. It was the color in the D800 because that, for example, the cyan were horrible. <laughs> and uh, on, on this new one, I think yeah, they did a really a, a great job. The camera is almost perfect for my needs and uh, I can't ask nothing more. Well, I would like a, a better wide angle. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, because fourteen twenty four is a great lens, and uh, I've used it a lot of times in a lot of conditions. But the thing that I really hate about fourteen twenty four is that 
it collects a lot of humidity, and if you don't protect it with inside your backpack with some silicates, it's really easy to have a lot of condensation in your lens. And uh, if you are in the field, you can have some trouble with that lens. For example, I, I understood a, a little trick to to dissipate the the condensation. You just need to take your lens and breathe really uh, with a lot of power in with all the the warmth of your body in on the front of the lens. And you you try after three or or four times, you, you will have your your lens clean without any condensation. I did okay. a lot of times, especially in this winter in Iceland. <laughs> well, uh, I always have with me the, the silicates, but sometimes are are not enough. And uh, well, I, I had a lot of problems also with flares because 1424 is a little weak with the flares. But okay, there are a lot of tricks to avoid flares, and uh, I don't want to annoy you with <laughs> my my tricks. But okay, it's just uh, a, a way to work. Yeah, everybody. Uh, know the how to avoid uh, certain problems okay and their cameras yeah a lot of times it's just trying to work it out when you're there trying to you know get rid of it use hats and all, all that kind of stuff that you can to to block the flare um, yeah <laughs> but yeah it's been it's been a long time since they've updated that lens 14 to 24 yeah all right so the, I guess the, the last thing I want to talk a, at least a little bit about is post-processing. And I, I know that you sell tutorials, and I definitely want you to talk about that too. But for somebody starting out, what, what suggestions do you have for post-processing? How would you recommend that they get started when you're looking at your style? And if they want to emulate some of that, not saying give us all your secrets or anything, but what would, what would get them in the right direction? What, what do they need well, to do to start? Well, I think the, the first step that you have to do in, in the world of post-processing is to learn the basics of Photoshop. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people uh, try to uh, start to purchase tutorial from all the photographers in the market trying to understand the techniques, but they don't know the basics of Photoshop. For example, the core profile, the color management, uh, for how to use the tools that are in Photoshop. So surely the first step is to understand the basics of Photoshop, uh, how to work uh, with the files, how to work with what, what are the options in the menu, what are the, the filters, everything that there is inside Photoshop. This is really important because if you follow barely the steps for reaching a result and then you, you, you will never be able to do the same of your own. You need to know the tools, okay? So, and for the video tutorials, I think, um, well, they are surely, uh, the, the start to finish video tutorial, there are a lot of the market and uh, a lot of really high quality. And for example, the videos of Ryan Dyer or Sean Bag Show, I think the, the videos are amazing, first of all, because they explain it so well and the quality of the pictures is really high and, and describe it step by step. And um, I think it is a very nice way to understand photography, understand the processing of, of, of your pictures, but uh, I think it's really important to understand the basics. About my video tutorial, they are really direct, so they are start to finish, and um, I did that kind of video tutorial not for beginners, they have been uh, developed thinking of people to people that know what are luminosity masks, uh, what are the blending options in Photoshop. And uh, I don't explain this kind of things in my video tutorial because, uh, okay, just a few words, but uh, I, I assume that you, you know what, what I'm doing, okay? This is, uh, my video tutorial are, are, are not for uh, basics, basic processing okay are a little more advanced especially the third chapter processing waterscape where i teach uh how to compose a picture with different shots taken at different focal length and uh, a time blending in the same time so two pictures taken in different uh, moments and blended together with other elements taken with another focal length 
everything in, melted in one picture. And I think this is uh, the final step for landscape photography because you need to be aware of what you are doing in the field. So I recommend uh, always to people that uh, want to achieve this kind of results with their picture to spend the time in the field of trying to, to compose, to pre-compose the work in the field. So you need to try to find the, the perfect foreground, for example, for your picture, and then shoot the picture with the right light, with the right condition, and then blend everything together with harmony, uh, with the right colors. I think it is the most challenging uh, process that you can try to, to achieve in the field. And um, okay, surely, if you will join a, a workshop with me and Darin and Gianluca, I will be very happy to explain how to to do this in the field. But the best suggestion that I can give you is to have time. You need to be in the field a lot of time before the right time. So mm -hmm. you don't need to reach the place. You need to reach the place at least three hours before the sunset, for example because you need to explore, hike, and trying to find the right elements for your pictures. Right, and then focal length blending is something that I've just started thinking about and looking at in my photography, because, and for those of you who don't know what focal length blending is, it's where you, you open up wide and you put something really nice in the foreground, but then what naturally happens with wide angle lenses is that background goes really, really small. And so even if you're right in front of a big mountain and you open it up and you get that nice foreground object, the mountain gets small. So focal length blending allows you to take a second shot at a different focal length of the background and then blend it in. Now, I haven't successfully done that, but that's that's where I'm at in my photography now. It's what I'm going to start looking at, at learning how to do. And like you said, you got to spend time in the field long before the conditions are right so that you can find what works exactly. and what doesn't. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sorry, I interrupted you to continue. And uh, well, I think the, the it's very important to to think when you are in the field, you have to divide your pictures in elements. But um, for example, for the foreground, you need that has a neat edge because it will be more easy to blend in the foreground, in the midground, or in the background. So you need to divide the pictures in um, minor elements and think to them in a single picture. Okay, this is not, a lot of people say, ah, this is not photography, it's digital art. I think it's not digital art because, well, uh, what I'm trying to explain is that when you watch, uh, when you are in, in the field and you start to, to watch at the landscape and you see the mountain, you see the foreground, you start to pre-visualize that image in your mind. So you, you, you can clearly with your eyes see the details in the mountains at the same time, the detail in the foreground. So the blending in Photoshop is the natural consequence of your vision. And uh, I think it is really important. And the composition, it's really critical in this, in this part. Uh, you need to to study the composition. And there are a lot of books of arts that are explaining the basics of composition. And um, your processing will help the composition. For, there are a lot of concepts uh, in, in the photography that are very common in, um, in, the, in the paintings, for example, uh, well, um, if you watch uh, a painting of Albert Bierstadt, you can see a foreground that usually is dark and cold and move to warm and bright. And the foreground is always contrasted and, and dark and the, the focal point of the picture is always bright and easy with a little of glow. And the key of this kind of things is the shading of your image. You need to spend time in post-processing to, to create this effect because 
except in rare case, you can, it's impossible to, to do the same with only one single picture. You need to, to exploit the technology of your camera to shoot all the raw material. And then in Photoshop, you need to build the final image. This is the final step to really, to produce really high gain landscapes. Uh, it's not easy, it's challenging, you need time, you need exercise, you need to be in the field a lot of time and uh, not all the time you are successful but because a lot of times I capture pictures thinking how to blend together and then at the end I tell to myself, okay, you have wrong, Enrico, <laughs> you did the bad work, you need to do another time. So, well, this is also part of the, of the fun uh, of taking pictures in this way. Because is is like uh, to to continue the you you continue to enjoy the landscape in your home, <laughs> your monitor, <laughs> and and it, you know photography is a, it's a craft it's an art and there's there's two sides to it there's the capture and then the the post processing and I think you're you're right on to to where people need to be it's where I need to be for sure is a lot of folks put a lot of emphasis on the capture part of it and not a ton of emphasis on the the after the post processing the finishing or the the crafting of it so i think it's all one thing and you just have to to dig in and and learn the craft of it the from the beginning to the end and not skimp on any part of it and you know for me it's easy to skimp on the post processing it's like oh i spent 2 minutes on that image i'm good um but I, I think to take it to the level, especially to the level that you have it at, uh, you've got to spend that time crafting. Yeah, but um, attention, I don't, the post-processing is important, but it's just a part of the work. Right, exactly. exactly. You, you need a right composition. You need a good condition because, okay, Photoshop is very powerful, but don't do miracles. So right. you, 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 you need uh, a nice light. You need a nice shading. Okay, you can try to to cheat, <laughs> trying to to improve the light and uh, try to to paint fake lights. But okay, it's not the same. Right. If your if your eye is trained, you can see easily what is fake and what is not. And uh, the, the the key is to have the right conditions and try to exploit that conditions in in the way. Um, in the right way, thinking at what you will do in post-processing. Well, actually, if you think at your mobile phone, if you think at, at your camera, the, for example, D850 has a ridiculous amount of f-stops. You, you can capture a huge dynamic range just with one picture without uh, using uh, any blending or any multiple exposure. And uh, I think we, with the time, uh, taking the perfect picture uh, will be easier and easier. And uh, if you think just only at 10 years ago, uh, shoot uh, against the light was more challenging than now, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I think the future of photography, especially in terms of fine art photography, uh, is a, a kind of photography that is post-processed post-processed so you need the future of landscape photography will be fine art for sure yeah I, I i agree and i'm seeing that more and more so i'm i'm trying to dig in a little bit more with photoshop than i used to but it's like you said you got to know the basics before you, you got to learn to walk before you can run so um yeah uh okay so what is uh, what's the future for you what do you see you do you're doing with your photography where do you want to go from here and and then you can close this out with where people can find you and any kind of workshops or tutorials that you have. Well, actually, I think uh, my future in photography is following my visions for sure. Awesome. <laughs> and um, my, my project for the future is to return in Canada because I, I really fell in love for that place. And uh, I want, I, on my list there is Patagonia and New Zealand, but okay, all of them are challenging trips, so mm -hmm. I need the time because my my life actually is split in two. Because I I work uh, I not I don't work only as photographer. I have another work. I work as an IT professional, 
And uh, so my goal in the next year is to create a solid business. And here in Southern Europe, uh, live only of landscape photography is more challenging uh, than in other countries. Okay, I don't say that in US or in, <laughs> in other countries is easier, but here in Southern Europe is very tough because I think we have also a lack of culture in about the landscape and about okay. na nature photography. It's really it's really hard to find, for example, people that purchase art prints or limited edition prints. Uh, it's not in the culture of Southern Europe, this. So it's is really challenging to create a solid business. And uh, I'm finding a lot of new contacts uh, thanks to the web, thanks to, to my friends, because the, the very nice thing about landscape photography that during these years, I have met a lot of people and a lot of really good guys that are around the world passionate of this wonderful hobby that is photography, that is an art, it's not an hobby, is something that really can unite people all around the world. And really, I have friends now in every part of the world because I receive a lot of emails and contacts, a lot of people mm -hmm. that invite me everywhere. And uh, well, guys, I would like to visit all of you, but <laughs> I need to win the lottery before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, surely my the, in the serious project about the, the, the closest future is um, I will release a, a new uh, video tutorial and uh, this time will be okay always with a part related to processing but also part related to composition a, a, um, a video specific with uh, on composition a video tutorial explaining uh, some techniques in the field so you will see me finally <laughs> it's not nice but okay it's part of the game and uh, and then i will plan other workshops around the world with my partners and um, I'd actually, we have a lot of projects, but uh, I don't want to reveal now exactly where, uh, what we will do. But you will be a uh, surprise if you follow me on my website, that is www.enricofossati.it. And you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, and now with the young Vero that is born, but I think it's really promising because a lot of people is connecting uh, to this small new social network and uh, well I'm there <laughs> and uh, well that's all uh, well, well I'm definitely looking forward to what you've got planned because like I said your your work is amazing and it stood out ahead of most people that I looked at it's just every time your your images come up they just seem so much higher quality or much more beautiful than than a lot of the other photographs out there not saying anything bad about anybody but like like my wife said, yours is the next level. It's, oh, many thanks. Really, I really appreciate your. It, it really your is, comments. and for all the listeners out there, if you don't know who he is, absolutely go check him out. Go check out his website, his Instagram, and you're going to be just as amazed as I am. I, I have no doubt whatsoever. So, Enrique, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, I hopefully you've enjoyed this interview. I know I have, yeah. and I'm sure that our listeners will as well. Uh, it has been amazing. Thank you very much. For me, it has been an honor, and uh, I hope to see you soon. Okay, All thanks. Right. Sounds bye great. Bye-bye. Ciao.